Episode one of Identical Cousins. Software is hard. Software is very hard. So why software hard, Brent? Well, it, it embarrasses me even sometimes. I had some family in town recently for a, a wedding. Um, my much younger cousin was getting married. And so, you know, all my family from back east uh, came for the wedding and it was great. And I wanted to exchange contact information with another of my cousins, a um, young, young fellow around 22 or 3. And, you know, I've got an iPhone, right? This, this ought to be easy, right? I just wanted right. to get his phone number so we could, like, text and stuff later on. Right. And for the life of me, I just, like, couldn't figure out where to go and how to get his phone number into my iPhone. <laughs> and, and, you know, I've done this before, and I've had trouble every single time. And I, I don't know why. You know, the, the iPhone is really leaps and bounds beyond what we've used in the past in, in terms of simplicity and ease of use and intuitiveness and all these wonderful things. And yet, it's not like I'm ancient or anything. I'm 44 years <laughs> old. I, I shouldn't be like fumbling around not being able to complete this simple little task. He doesn't even have an iPhone. He has an Android phone, and yet he right, showed right. me how to do it. <laughs> and did he show you on your iPhone? Yeah, yeah, Android? exactly. On yeah. your iPhone. Yeah, right? he got so it to he work on my iPhone. actually kind of understood the flow of how to get there. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. It's crazy. And I, you know, I make software for a living. I mean, thinking about flow and how to make it easier and everything, that's what I do for a living. You right. Know? And yet, you know, as a software user, I'm, I'm frequently, I'm, I'm stymied. Uh, a, a joke around the house sometimes is that I don't actually know how to use the web. Um, so my wife, Sheila, you know, <laughs> does everything on the web because um, I haven't been checked out on the web yet. <laughs> well, the funny part is, is being software developers who are passionate about user interface like you and I are, sometimes we do get confused by some of the technology out there that exists because maybe it's just not right. You know what I mean? Like we're expecting it a certain way how we would do it or we're expecting a certain way how it should be done. And there's still intricacies of different ways of doing it that doesn't register with us because we wouldn't expect to do it that way. Yeah, that could be. It could be that I had pre-designed the interface in my head, and it, you know, in other words, had expectations. Exactly. And uh, I even and find it myself work. I even, right? Yeah, exactly. I find myself doing that a lot sometimes, where I'll go to look for something in an app that I've used before, and I'm looking for it in a different way that it was meant to be looked for, and I'm like, what am I doing? And I'm realizing, wait, that's how I would look for it if I designed it. Mm -hmm. But I think it, that's a little bit, at least in my case, a little bit charitable toward myself. I think what it really is, is <laughs> it's kind of hard, but not that hard, but just enough hard that, you know, I just couldn't figure it out there right. on the spot. So it brings up the question though, even if it's a little hard, could it be improved? The answer of course is yes. We sure, both know yeah. that. But so I, I guess the thing is software is hard because even when it's easy, it can always be made better mm -hmm. and that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I Ideally, in an ideal world, I think uh, we would have been talking and I would have said, oh yeah, I should have your phone number. And then my phone in my pocket should have heard me say that and his phone should have heard and they should have just exchanged without us doing anything. Yeah. That's sure. Right, right. It yeah. should have just worked in mm -hmm. essence, but yeah, I mean, it sort of did just work, but you had to like kind of get to the steps to get there. Yeah. Right. Exactly. All right. So, and, and, um, you know, 
Yeah. Then, of course, he made some joke about my advanced age and everything. And, you know. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you did mention he was 23, right? Yeah, right. So, yeah, right off the bat, I mean, I'm 40, so you and I are like old hands compared to this kid. Old fumbly hands. I know. Yeah. Exactly. Is that is that like a new movie, Old Fumble Hands? I don't know. It's like it when Edward like Scissorhands grows up, he's Old Fumble Hands. <laughs> how, can I, how can I have a life? How can I hug a woman with these terrible fumbly hands? That would be the worst nightmare of an iPhone user, right? Yeah, really, Imagine yeah, Edward Scissor hands with an iPhone. How come someone hasn't made that yet, like a parody? What's wrong with people? Mm, I, I could go on and on in answering that yeah. question, but I, I don't I, know I, specifically I, what's wrong with people that they haven't made that movie. Maybe by episode 108 we'll get it. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, perfect. So, all right. So, basically, what we're going to do today is we'll do just a couple of the current stories intro-wise. I always think it's cool just to chat about some stuff and then we'll get into what our topic today is which is technical debt which i'm sure we can talk for hours and days and months about that yeah so in terms of top stories nothing believe it or not nothing's really on my mind necessarily obviously the big story going on for the current time is the ipad mini seems to be getting a lot of hype and people talking about it and getting excited about it mainly because i think it's a new product i think that's kind of the cachet and the appeal to talk about it yeah right and, of course, I think everyone kind of felt maybe Apple would never do one because, of course, Steve had said he would never do a small one. There's no market for it. So it's yeah. kind of interesting that if if it comes out, right, we have to do a big F because we don't know. No. Nah. Um, but I would say all the evidence looks like it's going to happen. I mean, gotten pretty good at the rumors. I'm sure you have, too, where you can kind of – when you just start seeing parts and things like that, there's a probably not fake. Well, I, I just kind of go by, you know, um, if there's a lot of talk on Daring Fireball, then it's probably more likely to be true. That's true. As and well. I've outsourced all my rumor um, evaluating to John. I think a lot of people <laughs> probably have. Well, you know, why should I? It's true. No, no, it's that? true. I got he doesn't use. I shouldn't even say usually. John doesn't talk unless he has something concrete or something that he'll clarify as it isn't concrete, right? Right. right. So Absolutely. once he starts getting onto that tangent, you sort of know something's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True. So yeah. So I just, but I still think it's kind of an interesting topic because it is a new product, so to speak. Right. Right. And it's something that a lot of people didn't think Apple would make. So quickly, what's your take on it? I mean, I'll, I'll give you my take after I get yours. But what do you what do you think about the iPad Mini as a product and Apple's new potential line? Why? Well, well, I mostly what I use my iPad for is reading, and I really wouldn't mind something that was a little bit lighter. It would make it in some positions easier to read on, and frankly, I would love that. Yeah. Um, so as a, as a user, I think, hey, that'd be awesome. Now, the question is, how crisp is the text going to be? Uh, text rendering is very critical. If if it doesn't look as good as my iPad uh, 3, then yeah, I won't use it, even if it's yeah. lighter. Yeah, and I think especially at the smaller sizes, I agree with you, by the way. And I, I do find myself, especially if I'm flying, and you know I fly a lot, mm-hmm. when I'm holding the iPad, the, the full-size one, whatever you want to call it, I just feel like it is kind of bulky, so to speak. I mean, obviously, it's not bulky, but I feel like if it were smaller, if I could hold it in one hand, if I could kind of make it a little bit more nimble, it would be better. Mm-hmm. Sure. Especially right. for reading books. Um, so I-, I could see it becoming a secondary product to my main iPad. And um, yeah, I think the thing will be the resolution because if it doesn't have the razor-sharp retina display, it's going to be less of an experience. And then what does it matter? Yeah, yeah, truly. All right, and of so course, as a developer, I'm thinking if they really do come out with this, they're going to sell a billion of them, 
which means more opportunity for us developers to make money and do well, which oh, I love, you know. So please, Apple, keep coming up with new stuff. Yeah, the it's more displays that us. you can put the OS on, the better. What's that? The more the more displays they can put the OS, the OS on, you know, iOS on or Mac OS, OS 10, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the more displays they can put it on, the better. Yeah, yeah, truly. All right, cool. All right, so um, uh, and also in the news, what's uh, pretty... Uh, I guess kind of going on is obviously the Samsung Apple thing. Although, I mean, we can, again, we can go on for hours for that. And then my third topic, I guess, that I would pick. Um, I don't even know. Uh, I guess probably nothing because nothing. Oh, TextMate 2 going open source. I was thinking about that too. That's pretty interesting. isn't it? Very fascinating. And, I, I, you know, people are speculating that means it's the end of the line for it and all this other stuff. And the developer said, no, it's not. So unless that's sort of a red herring, I don't know. But. I think it's really fascinating. Developers always say that it's not when they make moves like that. They want to reassure everybody. And I think the developer hopes that it's not, but it's easy to think that, well, that developer might be losing some energy and enthusiasm and is, you know, just trying to do something good to maybe mitigate that or recharge his batteries or, or something. Well, we'll say it was, but the, we just it was don't know, the right thing know. to do. If it is Enderline or not Enderline, I think for where it's at, the delays, people who want to do stuff, get it get it going further, whatever, I think it was a great move. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Time will tell. I mean... I, you know, I guess I feel like TextMate... I, I was never really a TextMate user. I own a license and I, I like it and there's an awful lot that I admire about it, but I never became a, a regular TextMate user. And that's probably because most of the time I'm in Xcode and using anything but Xcode's editor when you're writing Cocoa is really freakishly difficult. Yeah. Um, But also because I've been a BB Edit guy since 2 point whatever. I mean, a long, long time with BB Edit. And BB Edit is a pretty nice piece of software. Speaking of BB Edit, I had told Rich this story, but when I was at... In college, I remember my first computer lab class, and they had BB Edit, and it was like two or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, I remember even thinking the name was strange. I remember the teacher like trying to explain what BB stood for. Oh, right. Just, mm-hmm. It's so interesting, like how long and how just prolific that that app is. Yeah, which is great. That's a true testament to the fact that it's a solid app and that it's adapted with the times. Yeah, I think it may have started off as sample code for uh, the Think C compiler. I think Rich worked for Think or Symantec or whatever at the time. Yeah, at the time, right. I'm and not sure. I might be making that up. That sounds right. Mm-hmm. I, I somehow remember Symantec and Think in that story. Yeah. So, but anyway, so that's, yeah, so back to the TextMate thing, just to wrap it up is, yeah, I mean, I, I don't use text editors on a full-time basis because I don't code, but when I do have to hack around or change something, because I do get builds, obviously, and if I have to change something simple, I can go into the code and I know enough to do that. Um, Xcode works for me. A lot of people obviously very passionate about TextMate. So just, just very interesting what, what, a, um, what a rapport the app has gotten. I mean, obviously it's a very, very, very well-regarded app. Yeah, indeed. Or at least it so. was. <laughs> Time will tell. Well, you know, that it had a, a huge, a lot of, huge amount of buzz and a lot of um, fanatical users. But that was a long time ago now. It really was a long, long time ago. That is true. And, you know, there are new new text editors that have come along, and some of the old ones have just continued to steadily improve. And, you know, in, nothing counts like actually shipping, right? Once we see yeah. a real TextMate 2.0, then, you know, then it'll be time to think about it again. Yeah, for um, sure. 
I mean, the developer did say, just to clarify, the developer did say, because I was reading an interview, that he, he does plan on continuing using and working on it. What that mm. means, you know, that could be cryptic, right? Working on could be working on the open source, right? Sure, it's not yeah. a supported product anymore, so to speak. And being open source now allows him to work on it when he wants, not be indebted to his users who paid, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, obviously with both of us who have sold software and been on the other side of selling software, you know, you have an obligation to your users when you sell them a piece of software, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a limited amount of time. <laughs> it's it's not infinite, although most users would probably think that it's infinite. But um, we'll see. I mean, again, I just wanted to clarify that he did say that he's going to continue using and working it as long as he's a Mac user in an interview that I read. Yeah, that's good. Well, I'm I'm pulling for him. It, the thing is, it, it just doesn't look great. But I've met Alan. He's a nice guy, and he's done yes, very fabulous nice guy. work. But and, and I'm not one of those users who have been disappointed by the lack of upgrades. But it it really has been a long time, and I, I would oh, really yeah. like, to, like to see him get this done and ship the software he's capable of shipping. Well, and I hate to be negative. Not, I don't really, I don't really yeah. care. But. I hate to be negative, but, you know, people have even said, you know, it's like the Duke Nukem, you know, TextMate 2 is like the Duke Nukem of software. I mean, the fact that it even has the stigma of being vaporware and promiseware and all that stuff, um, you know, that's not a good thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that can easily, easily, and I know but this from experience, be mitigated by communication, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You just communicate. You just, you just tell people. You set expectations. And if you fail, you come back and say, sorry, I failed. And you admit it. And you just kind of keep moving on. Mm-hmm. Now, again, not as a user. I don't really know what happened. But I knew that the hearsay is that there were, you know, people are disappointed. There were things promised that never came to fruition. Yeah, right. Indeed. Okay. So uh, what news topics do you have that you'd like to talk about? I don't know. The iPad Mini is certainly the big deal. What else is yeah. going on? You know, it's fairly quiet. It seems to me. Around yeah. Well, the I mean, we have the, storm of September the upcoming Apple announcement in September, and it's going to be a great new phone and maybe a new iPad, small yeah. iPad. I don't know what else to expect. TV thing, maybe, maybe. So, what are they saying? Uh, September twelfth. If you go to MacRumors.com, of course, mm-hmm. which they're pretty, they're pretty accurate. Of course, they're they're. Let's put it this way. I trust what they say. Uh-huh. Um, well, I kind of have to because I'm friends with Arn. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it's he, he's a reputable source. Um, September 12th is what they're saying. Uh-huh. Okay. So we'll see. I mean, um, seems likely. Maybe it'll be earlier. Maybe it'll be a little bit later. But I, surely before the end of this year. How about that? If you want to do some bets. Yes. Yes. There will be new stuff by the end of this year. Yeah. Yes. There better be because I need to get rid of some money. <laughs> Too much of it piling up around with the yes, sales of yes. Fantastic Owl. Oh, yes. I'm just counting the money as we do this podcast. Oh, sure. Yeah, I can hear yes. the faint cha-chings in the background there. Oh, you hear the app I have? I wrote an app just to uh, give notifications whenever. Oh, there it goes again. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the topic of the day, and this will be a good topic, I think, for hopefully everyone listening, is technical debt. So you and I were chatting a little bit before this episode about what we could talk about. And, you know, since we actually make software and all of that, let's talk about making software, right? Yeah, yeah. So so in terms of technical debt, for, for those who may not know what it is, um, yeah, let's go ahead. You can explain. Sure. It's Well, it's when you have some software and there's stuff that needs to be fixed or refactored, re-architected, redone, uh, just made better, whatever. St- stuff that you have to do that isn't necessarily you know new features or new design or something but where the code you've got to work on it and it's and it's got to be better 
And, and of course, over time, if you don't keep doing that, the debt keeps piling up and it keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And then eventually when you do have to fix that stuff, it's almost game over because it's too big to take care of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tech, tech debt can, can ruin your life. It can certainly ruin a, ruin a product. I think if it's very important to point that out. I think it's very important to point that out. Definitely. I mean, it, it can be the end of a product even. Yeah. 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 Indeed it can. So, okay. So continue in terms of uh, code debt uh, or technical debt, either way. Um, maybe an experience that you've had with technical debt and how it affected you, how you kind of lost control maybe if you did. And, you know, sure. Well, like I've, I've been in the position uh, a few times and I think, you know, any developer who's been around a while is going to be in the position where, hey, not everything is perfect and, and you need to, you know, make some changes. And that can come as easily as, hey, there are, there's a new system with new APIs and your code would be better if you adopted those new APIs. Sometimes that's all it is, right? You, you can just maybe get rid of some code and by doing a little rewriting and adopting something new. Uh, but there right. are, are other times when you realize, hey, this, this whole architecture is um, you know, not really the best one for the job. Maybe it was at one point, or maybe you just didn't figure out you know, what the best design would be until later on. And so I've been in that, posi that position a, a number of times. Um, uh, when I was in that position with Net Newswire, I was in that position uh, possibly the worst case in my entire career. What had happened was um, I had a Mac version of Net Newswire. This was before the iPhone and the iPad came out. And I knew that I wanted to redo um, the data storage, especially for the Mac version. Right. But then the iPhone came out, and there was no time to, to redo the data storage. I had to uh, get NetNewsWire for iPhone on the App Store on day one of the App Store. So I did a new data storage system for that version of NetNewsWire. You know, I didn't want to just use my old one that was on the Mac because, hey, that wasn't good. I wanted to replace it. So I did a new one, and, and that was cool. And... Uh, you know, still wasn't perfect, but it was it was better. Uh, it was definitely an improvement. But then more things happened. Um, we switched the syncing system. So suddenly I had to adopt a whole new syncing system that was very different from the old one. Right. And so instead of, you know, going back and getting the storage system to use the same code on both iPhone and Mac, I was, you know, having to maintain two of them, neither of which were perfect. The one was a little better. So, you know, tech debt is piling up here, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then the iPad came out. And so then I'm like, well, this is another shot to get the storage system really, really good. And yeah. so I wrote yet a third version of the storage system. And I wanted to get that on the iPad App Store day one. You know, I had that deadline. So I went ahead and, and did that. And then by the time I was done... That meant I had three different storage systems and nothing shared, or very, very damn little shared between three separate versions of Net Newswire. And I had all the syncing code that I had kind of hurried through and that wasn't working all that well anyway. Um, and that syncing code was written against the Google Reader API, which is undocumented, unsupported, and unofficial anyhow. So right. it wasn't probably ever going to work wonderfully right and you know i ended up with just massive mountain of, of technical debt and i spent about a year 
just trying to just working on that alone just trying to get uh, a base of shared code that would work uh, amongst Mac iPhone and iPad just dealing with that just tech debt alone for now you have now you technically have three platforms I mean I know people would argue that iPhone and iPad are the same platform but based on your code based on how you went about it it's three platforms right right and and it should have been you know it should have been one right right it should have been you know the under the hood stuff should have been the exact same for all three and then right. you know just uh, user interface stuff would be different I so thought fragmentation would be, you know you had fragmentation on the Mac mm-hmm. iOS platforms which should be unified yeah yeah absolutely yeah, and, and in fact, you know, under the hood, the Mac stuff should have been the, the same too, because after all, we have whatever NSURL connection and you know yep. SQLite database or by then Core Data, all that stuff, all the same, yep. right? And yeah, and I did, and you know, tech debt will sneak up on you by the time you've got, by the time you're in a hole that that deep, one person can't climb out of it and make make great apps at the same time. It just you know, can't be done. Yep. So, agreed. you know, that's, uh, you know, that's part of why I ended up selling the app to Black Pixel because it would take, you know, a bigger team to not only complete that work, but also to be able to, you know, make these three apps uh, really awesome going forward. Right. You needed to hand it over to a team of guys or yeah. gals and mm-hmm. have them do it. Yeah. Right. So that was, you know, that, that was a big lesson to me. Um, and so then recently in working on Glassboard, I got in, you know, to a, a tech debt situation again. We'd come oh. out with 1.0, and okay. there were some aspects of the architecture I, I didn't really like. Again, in the mostly in the data storage level, but also in just uh, API handling. And it was okay, but it wasn't, it, you know, I realized what the shortcomings were and realized that, uh, you know, a different architecture, which I had in my head, would work a whole lot better. And so we shipped 1.0, and you know that was on my mind, and I started to work on changing that. But then it was, well, we have to do 2.0, right? And yep. uh, I ended up um, ended up doing a lot of design work and not very much of the programming. Even if I had done the programming, there just wasn't time to deal with that in time for 2.0 to ship. So 2.0 shipped with all that that tech debt that I wanted to clear completely untouched. <laughs> right. And so, you know, and but having learned the lesson about tech debt from the past, I knew that there was nothing I could do that would be smarter than to just sit down and fix all of that stuff right away. So that's what I've yeah. spent like the last two months working 12 hour days or some really stupid, you know, overwork for sure. But, you know, just getting through it because I knew that if I don't, uh, tech debt has the absolute capability of, of ruining a project and making me very, very, very deeply unhappy. Uh, but I yeah. did, and I finished. I uploaded, you know, uh, a few days ago. So I am oh. so happy. I can't congratulations. Say, thank you. I, you know, I've got a new feature or a new build coming out with just about no features or any hardly any changes you could even notice, except yeah. that under the hood. Oh, now it's very nice. It's See, very, that's good, though. That's yeah. good, though, because feels even great. if the user doesn't yeah. notice it, mm-hmm. it'll pay off in spades down the road. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, because now I can add features, fix bugs. I mean, it, it's like it's all sensible, you know, whereas before it was like, yeah, just a little weird, just enough weird that, you know, I had, I had to go ahead and fix it. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's interesting what you were saying about this, because 
you're one of those coders who really cares about your code mm -hmm. and you care about the user experience, right? Right. So for you to get in code debt shows how even someone who's very caring, very aware and very experienced can fall into that trap. And I just think it, it's the nature of the beast. I mean, it's like life, right? You know, the expression pay now, pay later. Mm -hmm. Right. You sometimes weigh these options and you say, oh, I'll just kick that can down the road a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's a real important lesson on your story that every developer, every designer, everyone out there really analyzes their pros and cons of the time of the situation and realize that that con may come back to be five cons in a month yeah, or two. Yeah, truly, yeah. Very quickly, right? Very quickly. Yeah, tech debt, at least in my experience, is a monster that can that will grow unseen, un, unchecked, and eat everything. Yeah. So the lesson And I've is seen this happen with a lot of other developers. So it's good that you're sharing the story because now that I, I mean, every developer I've heard it from is a very experienced developer. Mm -hmm. In fact, I almost think it seems to only happen to experienced developers. <laughs> if that's a funny thing. Well, you know, there's, there's a huge difference between writing code that, that works and writing code that's good. And good mm -hmm. means, you know, maintainable, uh, easy to fix, easy for other people to work on if you bring on other people or, or sell the code off. Um, yeah. And, you know, so easy for you why. to understand a month later, right? Well, that could be why, right? Because you actually are aware of what could be better. Mm -hmm. So eventually you get to the point where it's not where you need it to be. Yeah. A developer who's, let's say, not that experienced isn't even aware it needs to be better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing, right? That just comes with experience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it actually might be a problem that really only tends to affect more experienced programmers because of the fact that they're aware of what they need to do and they just never get to do it because they're too busy on the now, which is fine. In certain situations, I mean, I believe you truly made the best decisions at the time that you needed to make. Yeah, I think so. But yeah. I mean, yeah, hindsight's always clear, right? Mm -hmm, but, sure. you know, it's just one of those things where... You obviously wouldn't make a decision knowing it would jeopardize. At least I don't think you would. No, no, certainly not. Uh -uh. Yeah. But, you know, uh, once you know more, um, it's having experience makes those decisions a little bit more interesting, right? If, yeah. if you're a fairly inexperienced de developer, you might just, you know, be gung-ho for everything all the time without thinking about, well, if I do this, you know, and only three months, I'm probably going to have a mountain of tech debt when I'm done. Um, so if I, I need to take four months, then I, you know, then I should, right? Yeah. So it is, it's a tough problem, especially if you're in the consumer software side of things and you really have customers who are expecting features or bug fixes or whatever. Right. It's really hard to just take a stop mm -hmm. and say, er, we're putting the brakes on, you know, there's not going to be an update for four months because we have to get our house in check. Yeah. So you really do have to be careful. Um, and I, I think from what I've experienced in developers who this happens to is it's less painful to make that first pain decision, which is, wow, do I kick this can, than kick the can. Because mm -hmm. as you kick the can, it gets compounded into more problems. Yeah. Where if you had solved it earlier on, sure, it might have been a month and it would have been a painful month, but then it would be over. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. You swallow the pill, you know. And so, so now, now I think, though, I, yeah, so now I've taken on um, the biggest tech debt project that i can think of just oh, as boy. a side thing oh boy what is it so um you may be acquainted with uh with dave weiner's uh oh, product yes. userland frontier that's and, right you um, told me about this yeah and, and the um the opml editor um which is you know a similar product made from the the exact same code base just a different that is target. old school but the thing is 90s. this app was started in 1989 
yep. worked on most most of the work done on it was through the 90s. So it was a Mac toolbox app. It was in the early 2000s carbonized just enough so that it would run on OS 10. And now while the PowerPC version still runs, if you have Rosetta, um, you can no longer build it uh, using OS 10, 10.7 or 10.8. You have to run 10.6, so you have the 10.5 SDK, which I do. So I have you know a partition on on my development machine just so I can work on this software. Didn't that use? I would assume that would have used QuickDraw, right? It does, and that is the that's the biggest thing. Um, it's got to be the biggest hurdle, right? It's a huge hurdle. I already yeah. already dealt with Open Transport. Switched over just using sockets, right? Um, and wasn't there the menu manager also? You know, I haven't even looked at the menu code yet. I'm still mostly in QuickDraw land. There, there was something the menu manager, yeah. so that was like the menu bar stuff. Yeah, and there's the old uh, resource manager, code yeah. fragment manager. Jeez, uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, the file system we used to use FS specs. Now we have FS refs. And, you know, just it's just it's a ton of changes. It's a ton. It's no, It still uses, I think, get next event or wait next event. I mean, it's still like running its own, its own um, event loop. It's <laughs> not even. It's not even using like the the smart new carbon stuff like HI view or um, carbon events or carbon timers or anything like that. It really is like it's like a, it's a toolbox app. Have you thought about just rewriting the whole thing starting from scratch? Uh, yeah, it, you know, <laughs> it's a pretty big app though, too. It's yeah, that's true. You know, um, that's true. So, you know, but it, it is it is at least conceptually different things. You know, there's a database engine, there's a language. Right parser a language interpreter you know these this stuff should be modularized and made sure that it's all separable and everything and i'm not sure how close the code already is to that being true um, i'm hoping it is pretty true but i haven't even gotten that far yet right now i'm just going through and dealing with everything that will prevent it from building on uh, using xcode 4. whatever in the current os so it's just a matter of you know, going through and looking at all the deprecation warnings and dealing with every single damn one of them until I have something that I can at least build, even if it barely works. Uh, yeah. And then somehow magically I'll turn it into a Cocoa app. I have no idea. I think it might take me 10 years. <laughs> and, you know, given given my experience with tech debt, I mean, that's that's entirely what this project is about. I don't know why I'm doing this. It sounds like a freaking nightmare. It sounds like it's torture. Yeah, but you know what? It's really fun. It's super relaxing. <laughs> you know, it's just like well, you there's have no a, pressure. There's no there's pressure, no pressure. Right? You know? There's no pressure. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like it's just a big list of warnings. You know, just go through, and pick them off one by one. Yeah. And so yeah, that part's fun. Actually, kind of interesting that you pick off the warnings because you know, of course, Userlands has the cactus as their logo, mm -hmm, right? So it's like you being in the Wild West, picking them off one at a time. <laughs> Sheriff Brent Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think you should get. I think you should uh, get T-shirts made. <laughs> totally, <laughs> but that's cool. So anyway, that's that's. This is also a good experience for you to take something non-pressured, so to speak, mm -hmm. and figure out how to get it out of code. Day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and I also feel strongly that um, you know Dave still uses the software, right? And he's still coming up with new and interesting things, and um, oh, yeah. certainly he has in the past, and. 
you know, even if the only person who's ever going to use it is is him, that's still actually worth somebody's time to make sure that that this thing is still there for him. So, yeah, so I'm doing that. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's code debt, and I guess you know, in a, in a nutshell, it's just it's one of those things that you got to be careful to get into. Definitely hard to get out of. Oh yeah. And uh, like like you were even saying earlier with Net Newswire, I mean, it can even it can even literally kill a product, so to speak. Yeah, sure, or or make it so that you know it needs more resources than you have available. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Get in over your head. Yeah, truly. Okay, cool. Well, that's hopefully, you know, words of wisdom that other people can learn from and grow on. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of software, another quick thing, just uh, in terms of technical debt, any tips that you have of knowing when you're getting into it or kind of signs of when you can... I mean, what do you, how do you feel like, do you feel like there's a point where you start getting stressed and then it gets worse, so to speak? Hmm. Well, certainly I would say, you know, pay attention to the, the typical code smells. Like if you're, if you're repeating code or if you find that, you know, accomplishing something means writing a few lines of code in 20 different places, you know, those kinds of things, um, you know, pay attention. If something feels like it's hard, but it, but it should be simple, then it probably should. Um, I, okay. you know, like earlier I talked about how I had trouble um, adding a contact to the iPhone. As a programmer, I'm much the same way. My code is really, really, really simple. And I like it that way. Whenever I get, whenever my stuff gets, starts to seem like I'm doing like a really clever and cool solution to something. That's usually when I stop and think that I'm about to really make, make a hash out of the whole damn thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yep. All right. Well, uh, for our inaugural episode, I think we'll call it a day. Sounds good. And uh, I guess hopefully we'll, we're not sure how often we'll be doing this. We're going to shoot for probably once every two weeks or maybe once a month. We'll see how it goes. Sounds good. Brett and I are busy, so you know how that goes. <laughs> well, someone's got to make the software, right? That's true. Yeah. Someone has to make good user experiences. And yep code debt free software yeah indeed so uh yeah thanks for joining us everyone brent it was a pleasure yeah absolutely good talking to you michael you likewise and uh hopefully we'll be back speaking in your ear soon bye thanks. everybody leave cathedrals lip post everywhere from zanzibar to barclay square Adores a minuet, the ballet roots, and crepe Suzette. Our patty loves to rock and roll, a hot dog makes her lose control. What a wild duet! Still their cousins, identical cousins, and you find they laugh alike, they walk alike, at times they even talk alike. You can lose your mind when 